El futuro tiene nada más que la confrontación. Hey, welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. I used to write a bunch of weekly columns for a bunch of internet places, and I would use those columns to put forth all sorts of crazy opinions. And then I would come on this show to defend those opinions. But now, mind your own business. Joining me today, it's, I mean, it's just me and Jeff. Do I have to do this every time? I'm Adam Todd Brown. Jeff is Jeff. We do this. We do podcasts. Jeff does a bunch. I do a bunch. And then you listen to them. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. It's going to be a great show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Jeff, stop what you're doing. Uh, and are you about to ruin? Your face with a fucking punch, yeah. No, you're not. You're not going to do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, we are not in the same room. Number two, you even think about throwing a punch at me, and you better please don't do that because I don't want to get punched. Well, it's too late. It's too late to swallow guns. <laughs> it's too late. Oh, that Did I get in sucks. trouble for changing the lyrics to that? Uh, sure yeah, we're going to get sued. Yeah. Copyright infringement. I'm going to get a copyright swallow guys 2022. Get a strike on YouTube over that. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Jeff, how oh. are you doing? You're, oh, you're, you know, you're here. Couldn't be better. Things are amazing, huh? Things are great. Honestly, I don't see any problems happening. The Empire's doing great. It's cold, even in L.A. Cold. I'm sorry, but 50 degrees in L.A. is 15 degrees in a real state. So, yeah, people don't take that into account. People also don't like it's going to get worse. The past few years during the winter gotten down into the 30s several times in L.A. If nothing else, it gets to the low 40s. And that's not warm. It's not hot, but it's not warm. Houses aren't insulated the way they are elsewhere. No, no, because we don't need it because the weather's so nice most of the time. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about this week, though. It should be. We should just, let's just talk about the weather. Have we ever done about the weather? Have we ever done just a straight up weather episode? We should do a small talk episode someday. Weather's getting pretty cold out there, yeah. In the first episode, LA weather. Yeah. Second half of the episode, Midwest weather. Yeah. And then we could be, and then, you know what? Let's add a bonus content, New England weather. Mm-hmm. That's for subscribers only. Yeah, that's for, that, that's for that Patreon and Substack people. What we are talking about, though, is a bunch of news stories that I would argue haven't really gotten the attention they deserve. And here's the thing. I get it. We all got a lot going on. We got shit to do. Right now. We had other concerns. We had an election to deal with. Wait, what? Went better or worse than expected, depending on what... Depending on how you view fetuses. Yeah, exactly. And so there have been some pretty big news stories that have just sort of flown under the radar. And... Some stealth stories, we like to call them. We're, we're going to talk about some of them. They're all pretty fucking wild, including... There's some, this, there's some pretty big ones, yeah. Like this first one, for example... I'm being a little dramatic when I say this, but the government kind of disappeared in ABC News producer. The news producer was not doing a thing on magicians. 
So this is not like a like a David Copperfield disappearing. Yeah. yeah, it's not anything cool like that. It's more throw a black bag over your head, toss you in a van, and drive you to an undisclosed location. So you black bag the Statue of Liberty and then <laughs> it disappears. Which David Copperfield did do. He course, sure did. Very famously. He puts the cop in Copperfield. <laughs> this first story, it was first reported on by Tatiana Siegel writing for Rolling Stone. There's going to be a couple articles in here that are really big Rolling Stone investigative journalism pieces. Which is wild to me. Like, you forget that because you're just like, Rolling Stone, that's the that's the rock and roll magazine, isn't it? And they're like, we're going to talk about government black bag sites or whatever. Yeah, Rolling Stone does really, really good political work. Like, they always have when the... Rolling Oliver Stone. <laughs> Because he does political movies. You fucking got him, man. <laughs> fucking asshole. Coincidentally, I know where he lives. Oliver Stone? Yeah, I dropped I dropped a reporter off at his place one time. Oh, wow. Is it like in an the Uber days? Underground compound or something? No, it li- he lives in a surprisingly like boring-looking house. But he does live near Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, uh, yeah, the government disappeared a motherfucker. This, this is, is wild. This is so weird. It is... Very crazy. The incident happened on April 27th. That is when ABC News reporter slash producer James Gordon Meek tweeted the word FACTS in all caps. And that was in response to a tweet from a former CIA agent named Mark Polymeropoulos. Which we all know means Greek plastic. Correct. (laughs) The tweet was about how the Ukrainian military, with the assistance of the United States was doing really well in their fight against Russia, which I think we have all come to know is true now. Minus a rocket hitting Poland every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, a little oopsie in Poland. Sorry. Yikes. Oopski. <laughs> oopski. I, I, what do you mean? Cause it's like oopsie, but oops, Polish. Oopshevski. I don't get it. Because <laughs> Pol- It's fine. They hit the old Polish Navy. <laughs> So <laughs> I hate that joke so much. Oh man. I quit. I'm off the show. Just kick me off the show. So anyway. yeah, it's the last thing this guy tweeted. <laughs> that that which which is weird because you wouldn't think that's a thing. Like that's not an ominous last thing, you know. It's not like the United States government would get pissed about that. No. And I went and checked and confirmed, and it remains the last thing James Gordon Meek tweeted. On that same day, the FBI raided his Arlington, Virginia apartment. Huh. And his ABC colleagues and most of the world has not seen him since. Humans and men contain multitudes. So I wonder if this is fully unrelated. Like, and you know, you don't like to like say like, oh, I bet it's this or I bet it's that. But wouldn't it be weird if it came out and be like, yeah, dude, he was a gun runner. Well, the thing is, I mean, he was going to have a last tweet. Like he was very active yeah. on Twitter. So something w- was going to be his last tweet. I don't think it's related to that. But when Rolling Stone reached out to the FBI, it was either Rolling Stone or the Daily Beast reached out to the FBI. They didn't comment on it because it's an ongoing thing but the department of justice issued a statement where they basically just reminded everyone that in 2021 they put a rule in place that federal agents cannot 
sees a reporter's work and records and documents if those records and documents are things they obtained in the course of doing their job. So uh, what the DOJ was mad that they flagrant. <laughs> what the DOJ was saying was this isn't related to his work with ABC. Yeah, that's that's the part where you're like what which which branch of the FBI did this raid? Yeah. Like which crew was it? Because also there have been rumors since this happened that the FBI found classified documents on his computer. And for one, his own lawyers, which spoiler, this guy is still alive. We do at least know that much, but we'll get to it. His lawyers, when people started mentioning classified documents, they issued a statement and they were like, we don't know what classified documents people are talking about. And if he had classified documents, it would have been part of his job. And that's the thing. If this was related to his job. ABC News has a very robust legal department that would probably be backing him up. It's owned by Disney. And they are not. They're not backing him up for shit. No, I don't know, man. This is shady as shit because obviously the government getting involved in a reporter thing, you're like, what the fuck are you guys doing? But also when they're like, they, it seems like, and of course seems being the underlying word, like they're they're being very open about it, all things considered. You know, for as much as they'd be like, look, man, if this was the case, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. But what's also weird is before this raid happened, he had been trying to drum up Emmy buzz for a documentary he produced with ABC. Like it's on Hulu. Me and Olivia are going to cover it on this week's conspiracy pod. Documentary. It's about Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> it's called. 3212 Unredacted is the name of this documentary, and it was produced by ABC, and it's based on James Gordon Meek's story about the 2017 ambush by ISIS in Niger that left four American Green Berets dead. And the thing is, his version of events wildly contradict the Pentagon's version of events. And what's really weird is another ABC investigative journalist, Brian Epstein, also abruptly resigned from the network a few months before Meek. And he also worked as a director, producer, and cinematographer on that documentary. On that documentary? Oh, geez. And when Rolling Stone reached out to Epstein, he only said, quote, I'm not commenting on this story, end quote, and immediately hung up. Imagine hanging up on Rolling Stone. I know. It'd be like, hey, it's Mick Jagger, mate. But I'll talk to you about this guy. But also this guy clearly, it seems like, quit because of something the FBI or someone said to him about this documentary. I bet there's men in black and in little hats that are showing up to do things. The Adjustment Bureau's coming for these guys. I mean, someone's coming for these guys. Like, even if it's just the regular ass FBI and... This is the kind of thing I think we we associate with Trump, because this is like the media is the enemy of the people kind of shit, provided that's why it's happening. But here's the thing. It could still be related to his work. The government might have just been like, all right, let's find a reason to fucking get this guy. Could be. Like, yes, his work is legal, but he's probably done something that we can yeah. fucking charge him with. 
Could be he's a coke mule. You don't know. But that's the thing. He hasn't been charged with any crimes. Like, Well, this guy being a coke mule is just cool. That's not illegal. <laughs> he was also, at the time of this raid, he had been working on a book for Simon & Schuster, which is, you know, huge publishing outfit. Not, I don't know what those are. <laughs> the book was called Operation Pineapple Express. It was all about the movie. It was like a behind-the-scenes yeah. Seth Rogen, James Franco which, deep dive. I mean, North Korea, angry at that team, so... Yeah, yeah. So there, there could be something there. This is what we call intrigue in the political <laughs> world, Adam. Right, right. No, it was called Operation Pineapple Express, the incredible story of a group of Americans who undertook one last mission and honored a promise in Afghanistan. Thing about James Gordon Meek, highly critical of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, as several people were, lots of people especially the part where we sort of abandoned a lot of people who helped us in Afghanistan. Oh, I'm sure they're doing fine now. Oh, sure. Yeah. Under the Taliban, of course. And he was co-writing this book with a retired Green Beret named Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann. He had, Scott Mann. He had a picture of the cover on his bio on social media. He had been tweeting about it a bunch. And then immediately after this raid happened, Simon and Schuster scrubbed his name from any promotional materials. He took the book cover off of his Twitter bio after the raid, after the raid, but also after his last tweet. Right. 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 So he did that last tweet, which was facts. Right. And then he's like, I got to change my photo real quick. The FBI just told me I have to. Well, he also called the guy he was co-writing the book with and said he had to pull out of the project. And the guy was like, he didn't explain why. He sounded very distraught. And I just- So Scott Mann, he's-, he's Let it go. He's fine. Yeah, Scott Mann apparently is is carrying on unimpeded. You cannot defeat Scott Mann. <laughs> and fortunately, the usually not that trustworthy Daily Mail was able to track this guy down. That's the thing about tabloids. They're not always lying. Like, sometimes tabloid stories are true. This guy, James Gordon Meek, wrote for the New York Daily News, I think, which is also considered kind of a tabloid. Trash, yeah. And the Daily Mail actually tracked this guy down. They found him at his mother's townhouse outside Washington, D.C. Must be nice. Why? I don't know, townhouse outside D.C.? That sounds nice, right? You ever been? No, D.C.'s fine. <laughs> outside dc yeah i guess the cool the west wing parts but also i don't want to live in a townhouse with my mom right now like i live Little. in a townhouse with my wife that's much better than my wife my wife yeah I, I prefer that and this guy would probably prefer to not be living at his mom's house but it seems like his career has ended and he wouldn't answer any questions from the daily mail so like we know he's he's alive we just don't know what this raid was about. He's not answering any questions about it. Do you think he wouldn't answer questions to the Daily Mail because it's the Daily Mail? No. Then if he was just like, hey, why don't you send somebody that isn't a huge piece of shit over here? Huh? No, I think most American outlets are probably a little too scared to follow up on this. Cowards, a lot of them. Let's do it. Let's let's have him on as a guest. That I'm, I'm sure people have reached out. Like You should reach out. I'm not going to fucking need. reach out. Why don't, yeah. you, 
Why don't you leave a letter that you get from him back and then leave it in the trash and then have a government <laughs> operative go through your garbage? Yeah, that's that's just the heat I need right now, trying to track down James Gordon Meek. But beyond Rolling Stone, there have been, we'll link to some articles, like people are talking about this, but also what do you say? It does seem like this is not related to his work as a journalist, which would be a relief because the alternative is Biden disappeared a motherfucker who was critical of his Afghanistan policy. His Afghanistan. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get what do you mean? I put two words together. I put Afghanistan and then stance because stance is like they should come up with something. They should come up with a word for that when people put two words. No, together. no, they shouldn't. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, that's where that story stands. James Gordon Meek is alive and apparently at his mom's townhouse outside D.C. In and case, maybe listening. Hey, James. Yeah. In case the government doesn't read the Daily Mail and <laughs> is not aware of that. Like, everyone knows where this guy is now, I think. It's just still... Just like a drone circling the house all the time. Probably. And yeah, no one's no one's saying what they found or what prompted this raid, why he quit his job. Very mysterious. I mean, Adam likes a good mystery. I do. Who doesn't? Everyone likes... Oh, yeah. I hate mysteries. Yeah. I like... Just get to the point, Scooby-Doo. All right? Yeah. I read Save the Cat. I should know what's happening in this movie 10 minutes in. No mystery, please. Get this mystery shit out of here. Hey, this next story. Irony alert. (laughs) L.A. veterans are suing to get back land that is currently being used for sports facilities. This is such a uniquely L.A. problem. God damn. Man, we sure do like sports out here, even though, Adam, wait for it. You don't even like sports. like sports. Ah! Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I got him. It's you. Well, yeah, we like sports out here, but also we like building our sporting facilities on top of land that is meant for like marginalized groups. People in need of this land. Yeah. We've talked a whole lot about how a thriving community of Mexican-Americans was literally destroyed and buried to make way for Dodger Stadium. If People have missed that episode. It was years ago. Yeah, that was like 2014, wasn't it? Yeah, I was still at Cracked when we did that episode. The short version is there was this community called Chavez Ravine, which that's still what the area where Dodger Stadium is called now, that was just this like self-contained community. They had their own schools, hospitals, stores, and everything, and it was primarily Mexican people. And at one point, this land developer has this idea that he's going to go in and tear down all the rickety buildings in Chavez Ravine and put up new modern housing and then let all the people who live there move back in to that area. And the city approved that idea. And then they let it go forward far enough that they moved all the residents out. And then they stepped in and they were like, this is communism and we are anti-communist in this country. So this guy ends up going to jail for a year over this plan. And meanwhile, the city is allowed to buy the land back at cents on the dollar with the understanding that they would use it for something that the public can use. 
And they were like, cool, and built Dodger Stadium, something that the public can use provided they have ticket money and the yeah. proper calf muscles to walk up that unbearable goddamn hill that Jesus leads to Christ. Dodger Stadium. Ugh. I mean, I've had a lot. I have a lot of mem- great memories at Dodger Stadium. Let's be honest. We had the Tecate curse. Right. Still happen. going. We're, uh, yep. We're going to pretend that that didn't oh, it took, immediately. It took off for COVID. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Right. Uh, where the, uh, a Dodger fan whipped a beer at us, missed and hit a baby. Yeah. You know, I'm not familiar with that story. Uh, I also got to see the Red Sox push the Dodgers dicks right in the dirt and win the World Series at Dodger Stadium for barely any money because los angeles fans are the fairest of weather fans oh they sure are those ticket prices dropped from like twelve hundred dollars to 250 dollars in the span of like 15 minutes <laughs> yeah i can see i'm that. not even kidding when they dropped to 250 i was like well i guess i have to buy two tickets yeah dodger stadium they should they should they should replace that they should tear that down they should give chavez ravine back to the people they stole it from because that's, I mean, it's tempting to say, oh, well, all those people are probably dead now. Nope. People have families and people have offspring. There was a big story in L.A. where they took land in Santa Mon- either Santa Monica or Malibu, as if there's a difference, from this black family back in the, like, early 1900s or some shit. And they just gave it back to them. The, They're like, <laughs> they, sorry. They gave it back to the descendants of the man they took that land from. And now this... Like, as funny as it would be if the people were like, all right, tear all this park shit down. We're going to put a house here. They're just like now getting paid by the city for leasing that land, which that's what Chavez Ravine should be. Like, if the Dodgers keep Dodger Stadium there, people they should have to pay out. People should get money for it. But that's not going to happen. And that's not no. even the scandal we're talking about right now. No. Covering L.A. means that I can oftentimes have some sort of Uber experience where I've been to this VA as a driver. I've brought people to the VA here. Oh, yeah. It, it is a sprawling area. Yeah, there's a massive VA campus in it's kind of West L.A., right? Like it's near the you know, that uh, that graveyard you can see from the highway. No, it's near that where it's all just the white crosses everywhere. No. Oh, no. Well, you're an idiot then. Well, fuck you. Well, fuck you. Hey, no, fuck you. No, fuck you. All right. (laughs) Fuck me. (laughs) Okay. I I fucking won. So, yeah, they have this huge, sprawling VA campus, and the VA was hit with a civil rights lawsuit recently by homeless veterans in Los Angeles and their advocates, obviously. Are you trying to tell me that the VA is a flawed system? Yeah, and that they don't necessarily take care of veterans that well. Get the H out of here. What? Bruce Sorry Springsteen cursing, should but Bruce Springsteen should write a song about that. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen should write a career about that. <laughs> and so this was first reported on by Anna Scott at a local outlet here, KCRW. Lawsuit alleges that the VA misused a huge VA campus in West LA and broke a promise to build 1,200 affordable apartments there. The land in question was donated more than 130 years ago when West L.A. was just like farmland. Back in the good old days before L.A. got all weird. Back when you could still park in West L.A., you know? Back when it didn't take you 45 minutes just to get a seat at the Chinese restaurant. (laughs) The donor was a wealthy widow named Arcadia Bandini de Stearns Baker. 
What a Hell yeah, great man. fucking name. Yeah, that is a fucking Baroness's name. Yeah. She probably had so much land after this still. She was just like, oh, I got so much. Just yeah. got to give some. Give, vet- give it to the veterans of the Civil War, I guess. Yeah, probably would have been, yeah. And she stipulated that this land must be used to house disabled veterans. And the VA did that for a while. They they built some affordable housing and they moved some some disabled veterans in. And then over the years, they slowly decided, no, we're not here to give veterans somewhere to live. JK, LOL. Yeah. We can use this money to make money. <laughs> and there are still abandoned houses, like decrepit abandoned buildings on this campus that were once meant for housing veterans. But starting in the 60s, they started leasing the land out for other interests. And by the 70s, everyone was gone. There was no one else living there. And And all these fat cats are getting a slice of the pie. Well, yeah, now they're renting it out to like UCLA, put a sports field there. The Brentwood School, a private school, has a sports facility there. A private school in Brentwood. Let Fucking burn that one to the ground. Yeah. They've also leased space to an Enterprise Rent-A-Car. <laughs> that one to me, I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. Well, also the city used it for a dog park for a while. And it's like, so dogs take precedence <laughs> over disabled veterans. I mean, that is that is a universal consistent across this world. I don't know how many people Pretty are much. like, dogs, and then they see a homeless veteran, they're like, get that monster away from me. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, meanwhile, there are, at last count, according to this KCRW article, around 4,000 veterans living on the streets of L.A. alone. And Just L.A., yeah. I get the sense there's probably enough room on that VA campus to house them all depending on the type of housing we're talking. But Adam, they would be in my backyard. NIMBY. Yeah, this is one of those situations. For those of you that are not aware, areas like West LA, Brentwood, and Westwood are very wealthy. Yes. These are these are places where the homes cost at least $3 million. Right. The property taxes are out of control. This is a elite area. When you hear us like East L.A., that's where like Dodger Stadium is, where Chavez Ravine was. And it it tends to be where the lower income people were pushed. West L.A., the closer you get to the water. Oh, buddy. Yeah, I say it all the time. L.A. is the most segregated place I've ever lived, like by far. Yeah. And it's exactly that. Still, the closer you get to the water, the whiter and whiter it gets. Like Santa Monica is basically like little England. Like, there's, like, so many British pubs and shit. There's a British pub next to a British pub, basically. Yeah. It is European as shit. There's an Irish pub. There's a Spanish pub. Like, it is highly European the closer you get to the water. And, yeah, this campus is smack dab in the middle of some of the richest areas. Like, it's where a still unknown assailant murdered Nicole Brown Simpson. Remember, she lived in a pretty fancy neighborhood. Maybe it was the folks at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Maybe she (laughs) discovered something. Maybe it was the VA. Maybe she was angry about, you know, not getting (laughs) veterans, not getting housing. And they fucking killed her over it. 
I don't know. Yeah. We don't know what happened, but that's most likely what did happen. That is, I think, I, yeah, it probably was tied to this. And I for the think. rest of this show, we will present our case that the VA <laughs> murdered Nicole Brown Simpson and her lover, Ron Goldman. <laughs> and yeah, what's crazy about this, I mean, it's all crazy, but the reason this lawsuit is being filed is because they already filed this lawsuit in 2011. The same lawyer filed it with a different group of veterans, and it ended up being settled with a, quote, good faith agreement from the VA that they would build more housing. In have, you ever, have you ever heard of a court case settled by, all right, all right? Yeah. Like, and this guy's like, you know, I kind of regret that because they haven't actually done anything. And it's like, you think? Yeah, we promise. <laughs> we pinky swear to be good to the homeless veterans now. Yeah. They weren't. So the now, VA doing oh, great since 19 whatever the hell. 88. You want to Doing great since 88. <laughs> Thanks, George Bush Sr. Oh, that fucking guy. Fucking Herbert Walker. <laughs> fucking nerd. Dork. Fucking nerdlinger. Way to kill JFK. Herbert Walker, Texas Ranger owner. <laughs> that would be that would Texas be a fun Ranger owner mashup of a series, yeah. Because the family Salem, George Bush Texas. kicking a Rod's ass before he trades him like a fucking idiot. I mean, I would watch the shit out of that, and yeah. you know who else would? Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco would be like, "This is exactly." He's like something about a president from the late '80s beating up my arch nemesis. This is all I wanted. All for it, yeah. We got to get him on the show. I feel like we could. I feel like we could. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right. Let's talk about this next story. This is one of those headlines where when you hear me say it, you're you're gonna you're gonna chuckle a little bit. But this is actually this might be the most horrifying story on the last four words of the title really do twist a bit. Yes. Here we go. Oklahoma inmate who sued over baby shark torture. Ah, that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty funny. Found dead in cell. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And even the baby shark thing is fucking horrifying. It do 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 do. Yeah, torture shark. More like it. <laughs> torture. <laughs> oh no. Torture. Ooh. Ooh, this is not good. This is not good at all. This is, this and is... it's funny because. As soon as it's Oklahoma inmate, you're like, this is not going to go good for this person. Because mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this about Southern prisons and jails and specifically ones in like Texas and Oklahoma. They are all run by terrible people. Yes. And especially the Oklahoma County Jail, which, by the way, does Oklahoma only have the one county? How is this the Oklahoma County Jail? Unless there's an Oklahoma County in Oklahoma, which... That's dumb. It could be Oklahoma City, so it could be the county that Oklahoma City is in. Yeah, I guess it would be awkward to call it the Oklahoma City County Jail. Yeah. But do it anyway. Fuck you. This has, this has real Buford T. Justice energy to, like, this kind of shit. 
Yeah, the story actually dates back to last year. That's when four men filed a lawsuit against the Oklahoma County Jail, alleging that when they were pretrial inmates in 2019, they were forced to remain in standing stress positions for hours on end while being forced to listen to Baby Shark on a constant loop. Mm. And again, that's the kind of thing that you hear it and you're like, oh, well, that's funny. What did they do? I'm pretty sure that's like against the Geneva Convention by now. Like everyone has decided this is torture. That's how they got Manuel Noriega. Yes. Yes. They found Manuel Noriega. (laughs) in the Philippines. Like it wasn't so much that Noriega broke under that. It's just that that kind of torture, you can't, like he was hiding in like a fucking palace. Yeah. Everyone in there is getting that torture too. So everyone in that building is going to be like, get him the fuck out of here. Yeah. This is said it was like shaking the halls, right? Yeah. That's the thing. This is significantly worse than what, happened to Manuel Noriega because Noriega was in a building. He could presumably go to another part of the building to get away from all the sound. These dudes were restrained in the those tiny rooms where lawyers talk to their clients in a jail setting. And they were restrained in these crazy ass standing stress positions, which is Guantanamo Bay shit, and forced to listen to this song loud as shit while they're standing in these positions for hours. And this is a quote from the lawsuit about one of the men named Joseph Mitchell said he was, quote, forced to listen to the song over and over while physically restrained in the attorney visitation room. The volume of the song was so loud that it was reverberating down the hallways. And that happened to another guy named John Basco. He was forced to do the same thing at a different time in 2019, but his story gets worse because in September, Basco was found dead inside his cell in that same jail. This is the most suspiciously obvious problem that we've seen here. This is something that happens a lot with the old thin gray line, which is probably the most embarrassing of the thin line people to try to get in on that, right? Oh, yeah. Corrections officers. Corrections officers when they're like, oh, the thin gray line. And it's like you torture inmates. Get on a treadmill and become a real cop. And what really bothers me about stories like this, it's the same thing that over the years of hosting a true crime podcast really kind of turned me off to true crime is those shows are essentially a celebration of shitty police work. And they're voyeuristic examples of people really consuming it. Yeah. And. One thing you'll hear when cops are interviewed in true crime shows all the time, all the time, you hear it nine out of 10 episodes, there's no such thing as a coincidence. Okay, if that's how you're handling your police work, tell me this is a coincidence. What's the coincidence that 14 of your inmates died in jail? Yeah, John Basco is the 14th inmate to die in this jail this year. Do we know what the COVID numbers were? Were, were those co- any of those COVID deaths? Or I mean, this is since this is like in the past few weeks. Oh, yeah. Like oh, this, we're enough. talking about this year that this happened. Because well, COVID is still a problem, Adam. Yeah, but I feel like the article would have pointed that out. Like he died a couple weeks after someone else committed suicide, and 
the thing is that lawsuit he filed was still ongoing. Get out of town. So he ends up back in the Oklahoma County Jail while his lawsuit against the torturers at the Oklahoma County Jail is still ongoing and he ends up dead in his cell. They should investigate. The police should investigate this. I'm sure they'll find out what happened. Yeah. And report it accurately. I think just an internal prison investigation should do the trick. I'm sure they'll they'll uncover all the corruption because they did eventually fire the people who were named in the lawsuit for the baby shark torture because I'm sure no one at the prison knew that was happening. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it really is. That's the kind of torture that really goes under the radar is the stuff where they play music at a volume that reverberates down the hall. How are you going to figure that's happening? Yeah, it's like, are you torturing people down there? No, we are simply listening to Baby Shark for four solid hours at the loudest possible volume. Yeah. As you one know does this. in a prison or jail. It's Wednesday. <laughs> it's on the calendar. Yeah, 14 inmates to die at a county jail in one year. That's that's a That in and of itself should be a huge story, but it's not. This is a quote from John Basco's lawyer who posted this on Twitter. I mourn the loss of my client, John Basco, a baby shark torture victim who died today in the custody of the Oklahoma County Jail, the worst jail in the world. All right. Well, I'd put an asterisk on that one. Yeah, there's probably... You ever been to Turkey? Yeah, world is pushing it. There's some pretty harsh stuff happening in the yeah. Philippines. Yeah. How, how are the jails in Myanmar right now? <laughs> yeah. But also, this is pretty bad. This is like 14 people dying in one year. Basco died less than a month, again, less than a month after another inmate committed suicide. Three inmates died at the jail in July alone. Well, that's just the July weather. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And you know what? Probably. Yeah. They, yeah. They probably baked those motherfuckers in July. Yeah, that would not surprise me at all. So, yeah, pretty crazy story. It's who would have thought that the man would keep people down. Right. And yeah, it, I know it's tempting to see the baby shark part in that title. And because I think I even found this on like an oddities website at first and was like, no, this sounds like a real story. Yeah, though. this is a real problem. This is yeah. not like a Uber facts. Yeah. This is not a one tweet Uber facts situation here. Yeah. You get like one chuckle. At the fact that it's baby shark. And then you need to accept the fucking gravity of this situation. Like, they are murdering motherfuckers in the Oklahoma County Jail, it seems. So, big problem. Big problem. If only the thunder could be as good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Go back to Seattle. Come on. You'd be breaking ankles. Why did they move to Oklahoma City? It was something... Seattle wasn't making money for them. Well, it wasn't just that, but I think it was... During Hurricane Katrina, I think, uh, was it the Hornets? Were the Hornets in New Orleans at that time? Because there was a game that had to be moved, and I think it was moved to Oklahoma City, and there was such a response to that game being played there that they were like, fuck, Oklahoma City That's the first thing to hit hit Oklahoma City that wasn't a tornado. Or Or, a white nationalist bomb. (laughs) Or, or, yeah. yeah. Or a white nationalist supremacist. Truck bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this Segway brought to you by Segway. Segway, when you need a Segway, Segway. The nation's preeminent neo-Nazi Satanist has been an FBI informant since 2004. This is bonkers. Uh, Does the FBI have a history of working with neo-Nazis, though? (laughs) Or Nazis in general? Uh, Well, 
we can yeah. talk about Oklahoma City again for <laughs> about an hour. Did, did he move from the CIA to the FBI? <laughs> it seems like a pretty lateral move for a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The This is another Rolling Stone investigation, this time from a writer named Allie Winston. It was published back in June of 2022, and it's just been in my, I use an app called Pocket to save articles that I might want to talk about on an episode at some point. And I've just been saving this for months, wondering how we can been, talk about it. Been marinating it. Because I don't, it's such a long article. I could just like, we could run I, through I, the details of this article and it would take about an hour. I looked at the article and I was like, I'm just going to read your notes. <laughs> yeah, it's super long. And I'll. it's great. It's a really good article. I'll link to it. The headline is, quote, the Satanist neo-Nazi plot to murder U.S. soldiers. And that, I saw that headline and was like, holy shit, what is this about? That is an Unsolved Mysteries episode right there. <laughs> yeah. And it's primarily about the trial of uh, a guy named Private Ethan Phelan Meltzer, a 24-year-old who claimed he enlisted in the Army solely as a ruse to gain knowledge of military weapons and tactics. Yeah, that's how most that's how most people join the army, right? Of course. I'm these days maybe. Yeah, so they can learn how to fucking revolt against the government. Yeah. Kill for the government so you can learn how to kill the government. Yep. I I mean that's what's happening in this case and I'm sure that's happening at a, a much wider scale now than it was before. People are saying. <laughs> and he was conducting what he called a, quote, insight role, where he was both infiltrating and subverting an institution. I, I like the subverting part. And here's why I like that, because I would love to see how he dips his toes into it with the other people. Where he's like, hey, man, I love being in the army. You know what else I love is uh, being a neo-Nazi. Uh, how do you feel about Satan? Yeah. You worshiping like, Satan at all? Where are you, where are you on Satan? Have you I think talked? He's pretty cool. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Have Have your parents talked to you about Satan at all? You know, just going door to door like a Jehovah's yeah. Witness. Little black pamphlet with red <laughs> ink on it. Have you heard of our Dark Lord and Savior? <laughs> and the thing is, that kind of activity is one of the core tenets of a group called the Order of Nine Angles, a satanic neo-Nazi group that Meltzer claimed membership in. And again, this is a very long article. We'll link to it so you can read it all. I highly recommend it. Is I would like to say just real quick, Angles, I read it as Angels like 13 times before I finally landed on Angles. Yeah, it's very, very tempting to pronounce it as Angels. It's because of what you're talking about, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, were there nine fallen angels? <laughs> and we'll link to it. But what I want to talk about is the one revelation I, I mentioned not too long ago, which is that one of the main mouthpieces for this group, the Order of Nine Angles, is a 41-year-old man named Joshua Caleb Sutter, who, according to Rolling Stone, is, quote, an ex-convict, prolific Satanist, publisher of manuscripts advocating murder, torture, rape, and child abuse, and... A paid FBI informant since 2004. Yeah, man. That part. That's what I want to talk about. That's neat. It's funny when we talk about what the phrase Satanist means in these points, too, because 
when we talk about like the church of Satan, for example, they're, they're not the people that are running around being like the devil, let's make a sacrifice. Like that's not, there are two different versions of Satanism, right? Well, there are different versions of every religious belief you can name. There's Islam and the nation of Islam. There's, you know, Christianity has all of its different sects. Yeah, I feel like the satanic panic really did make all of this conceptually lump into the same thing. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But you also could just not call your church the church of Satan if you don't want to be lumped in with the satanic panic. Just call it something else. But this group is fucking satanic, which shouldn't be that surprising. Right now we're doing some bonus episodes of the conspiracy pod about the occult history of the Third Reich. Like a lot of that Nazi symbolism is just like runes and like ancient symbols that don't mean what the Nazis made them mean. Like swastikas were in, were widely used before the Nazis and they still yeah. are in some places and they should be able to be used because it's yeah, not. Yeah, like for example, on my notebooks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The tattoo on Jeff's neck. Yeah. Oh, I'm supposed to not tell people that this represents both peace and ethnic cleansing? <laughs> exactly. Christ. So this guy being a paid informant, for one thing, is a very complicating matter for the people trying to prosecute this Meltzer guy who infiltrated the army. I, w- I would add, though, that you with paid informants and like CIs and stuff like you don't have a lot of like good guy paid informants. <laughs> like that's the other thing, too. Like if you... Informants by law or like by definition have to be generally not great people. Right. What's troublesome about this particular case, though, is this group, the Order of the Nine Angles, is relatively small. Like according to the most recent estimate, they have around 2000 members worldwide. And that's right now. So the FBI brought this guy on as an informant. In 2004, he immediately gets off into this order, the nine angles type shit. And the FBI basically bankrolled him while he spread this order of the nine angles ideology. So the FBI kind of spread the ideology. Wait, wait, wait. Are you trying to tell me, Adam, that the government in any way whatsoever has funded the spread of white supremacist ideology? Well, I mean, yeah, we're like we're being like jokey joke about it, but that's the kind of thing that you'll like people will accuse a government agency or a law enforcement agency of doing. And there's not like any concrete proof. It's just like a gut feeling that our law enforcement agencies are upholding white supremacy. This is proof. This is the FBI funneling money to someone who is spreading like the most vile version of white supremacy not that there's a good one but there are versions that don't involve eating babies like one of this guy's books there's where's this quote uh a person who's interviewed by the rolling stone was quoted as by the rolling stone they're interviewed by mick jagger <laughs> hey mate what do you think about these neo-nazi mates <laughs> you think of white supremacy that was that was keith richards by the way yeah it was, it was. <laughs> This is why Charlie Watt died. Rolling Stones were getting too close to the truth. There it is. They had to take him out. Message to Mick. So one person interviewed by Rolling Stone 
was quoted as saying, in the 21st century, people don't have the Turner Diaries anymore. They have Iron Gates and Liber 333. Those are both books published by this guy. He has a whole fucking publishing company. And in the Rolling Stone article, they point out that Iron Gates, the very first paragraph is about a group like tearing a baby apart and eating it. Like this feels. This doesn't feel good. Yeah. If I think I'm going to, I'll complete that sentence for you. This does not feel good. And just the fact that the FBI and like over the years, he's made, I think they said $140,000 from the FBI. So over that time span, it's not a huge amount of money, but also like any money that the FBI spent to keep this guy afloat while he was helping this ideology catch a foothold in the United States is nuts. I wouldn't mind getting $10,000 a year. Oh yeah, for sure. I would take it. It's a crazy story and it's not getting talked about that much. It would be, it would be even funnier if the guy was Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Wow. You're an informant in real life too. (laughs) Yeah, because that's kind of what happened with Whitey Bulger. He was an FBI informant, and that's the thing. Did he actually, like, the the story is always, well, he was an informant, and they just lost track of him. It's like, really? Wasn't, wasn't Whitey your neighbor? Yeah, he was hiding. That whole time, he was hiding out very close to me in Santa Monica. <laughs> he was, like, two blocks from you, <laughs> yeah, Adam. he was super close. Like, like, it wasn't he was, like, kind of near you. That dude <laughs> lived... Didn't he live, like, by the promenade? Yeah, yeah. He lived in, like, we lived essentially in the same neighborhood, and I had no fucking idea. You guys should have hung out. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, and the thing is, like, is that what happened? Did did this guy just get out of hand, or is this guy doing exactly what the FBI wanted him to do? Because it is kind of a honeypot situation also, where they could just be like, well, we need you to draw these crazy motherfuckers out so we can keep an eye on them and it's like there is that too where it's like hey give us your mailing list right but also for that to work he has to like spread (laughs) this ideology so it's a classic fbi thing where they're sort of setting up the situation to bring people to and it's like well if you didn't do that part like granted if you say hey here's a bomb do you want to use it against the american government and someone goes yes yes i do That's obviously concerning, but had you not presented them that bomb, would they have ever taken it that far? Like that bomb trapment. Well, that's always the question with the fucking FBI. Like you saw it after 9-11. There was that group in Buffalo where some guy shows up from the FBI and is like, hey, want to build a bomb and take down the government? And they were like, yeah, I guess. And then those people got arrested on terrorism charges. That does seem matter. Well, they're. Also, the Gretchen Whitmer thing, like the people who are accused of plotting to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, their main defense at one point was, well, we only did this because this FBI guy showed up and was like, hey, you want to kidnap the governor? And they're using like their social media posts as evidence that this group actually did want to do this. And at one point, a judge ruled that they were not allowed to argue that the FBI entrapped them. Which is weird. It's very weird. And it's almost I mean, look, I'm not saying like these guys are bad people and they should be in jail. They should be in jail. Yeah. But also that argument is valid. Which argument? That the government did fucking. Oh, yeah. Rile them up to do it. Yeah. Isn't that why inciting a riot is a crime? 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's what this feels like. Like, think about where we were in 2004. Obama's not in office. It's George W. Bush. And this ideology at that time was super duper fringe. Like it was like it's obviously still like the fringes of the neo-Nazi movement, which is some long ass fringes. Yeah, that's that's got more fringes than a Ted Nugent vest. But now a group like this, if there's a hundred of them in the United States who have infiltrated law enforcement, that's a problem. That's that's enough of a problem. And the question, again, would it be a problem if the FBI didn't give this guy $140,000 over the course of the past decade yeah. and a half or so? I don't know. I w- some would say that that is probably too much money to give to a guy with this resume. I Yeah, I would say I would so. Say, I would posit $0 might be the best way to go. Let's talk about this last story quick. This is a little less heartbreaking than the rest of the stuff We've it's been actually talking. good, some would say. It's very good. Part of it is good. The good part is that Starbucks workers staged a walkout and strike on Red Cup Day, which that's huge. Starbucks workers are trying to unionize all over the country. This walkout happened at 100 different stores all across the nation. Yeah, so that's all across Ohio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's it. So that part's good. Like, Starbucks, especially if you like, we'll link to the article. Obviously, this was reported on by Inquirer.com, not the National Inquirer, the Philadelphia Inquirer, <laughs> the dot com Inquirer. <laughs> yeah, obviously. And it, when you dig into that article and read some of these workers accounts, one of the things they bring up, like along with all the other typical workplace abuses that happen is with Starbucks, people can order on that app and there's no like cap. They don't like limit the number of mobile orders that can come in. So these kids, like these are like, go to any yep. Starbucks. There's most, not a lot of people over 30. Yeah. yeah. So these kids are like, we'll have like 40 and 50 orders backed up and there's still orders coming in. And it's like, you can't put people under that kind of fucking stress. And if you do, you at least got to pay them appropriately for enduring that kind of stress. And Starbucks employees are not being paid in line with the amount of work they're being asked to do. So they staged this strike. That's good. What's bad is it seems kind of like the McDonald's Me Too strike, the Mick Too strike. Shout out to Kevin Anderson. He's the one who said that first. But McDonald's was the first corporate entity to be hit with like a major Me Too protest. And no one reported on it. Like it was like people talked about it, but it wasn't like yeah, sp- it was social media reporting, which is also that's you hate to say it, but that's one of the reasons Twitter is important. Yeah, it was social media reporting and you would see like smaller outlets. But with as big of news as Me Too was at the time, because this was like 2018 well, or so. Well, this wasn't I mean, Me Too is different because Me Too was about the sexual abuse of well no that's what right no that's what the mcdonald's thing was though it was i thought it was a pay thing no the mcdonald's i mean there's pay things too but the mcdonald's me too strike was specifically about pervasive sexual harassment and sexual abuse within mcdonald's franchises jesus and within the fast food industry and that part that part like went past me i guess i missed that part and think about at the time 2018 
anyone who was being accused of any kind of sexual misconduct, especially like big name actors and things, it was huge news. Like the news could not wait to tell us about it. But when it happened to McDonald's, mm, McDonald's spends a lot more ad money than, say, Kevin Spacey. Not that Kevin Spacey shouldn't have. Like, I'm not making that fucking comparison. Kevin no, Spacey no, 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 deserved he everything. He should have a God. bigger ad budget, though. <laughs> yeah, he should. But, like, McDonald's is the biggest. Like, McDonald's, the thing about McDonald's, when they do something, everyone else in the industry does it, too. Everyone looks at it and they say, I'm loving it and I'm doing it. Right. So it would reality Burger King should be the one setting the pace. I mean, they have the superior burgers. So they I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's and a the, better the overall king. product. King, you know, that reminds me, we got to go to Burger King soon. Yes, please. I'm all for it. Going to go see Violent Night and go to Burger King. Mm, I do want to see that. So, yeah, this McDonald's strike, it didn't get covered that much. And the obvious reason is because McDonald's spends a shit ton of ad money every year and at the end of the day your mainstream news outlets that you trust so much to be fighting the good fight against fascism they're still huge corporate entities owned by rich people and so gone are the days of your cronkites that would be like i'm gonna have journalistic integrity yeah i am not joking when i say your walter cronkites all work at yahoo now like yahoo does some of the best investigative reporting right now but yeah, Dan Rather, same way too, right? Yeah. Like but, he's really big on it. Yeah. But like, who would know? Because you mentioned Yahoo and people are like, <laughs> no one uses Yahoo anymore. And it's like, yeah, that's, and that's not doing us any favors these days. Yeah. They're real. That, that, that cowboy voiced uh, commercial thing that they used to do back in the day really did them in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, where does, where, where, where do these journalists work? And they're like, oh, they work at Yahoo. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Shout out to Brett Raider, still working at Yahoo. Yeah, Yahoo Sports. <laughs> and he doesn't even like Yahoo. And you would think this would be another story that all of your big mainstream outlets, especially with unionizing and union busting being such big news these days, you really aren't seeing that reported on by the bigger mainstream outlets in general. No. Like that really is internet reporting. This is one of those situations where when conservatives are like, you know what mainstream media is burying. And you're like, actually, there's a lot of stuff. Let's talk about it. And they're like, no, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. We we don't want poor people to do well. Yeah. Their answer is always going to be Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah. Hunter Biden's laptop is why these people aren't getting paid enough. (laughs) Yeah. And like you would think this would have been bigger news. This happened on Red Cup Day, which is... A thing Starbucks does every year. For beer pong. That, yeah, you can go in and play beer pong, but with, you know. With the employees, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with hard coffee. It's, yeah, it's, it's mochiato pong. <laughs> yeah, they put whiskey in it. No, they do it. It's meant to signify the start of the holiday season. And you can go in and get, like, a reusable red cup, and, like, I guess they do a different one every year. Oh, do they, they also just change the standard white and green cups to the the red cups right that's yeah. like the standard cup now yeah it's like their black friday basically it's like the biggest starbucks day of the year so you would think employees staging that walkout on that day would be a dramatic thing that major outlets would have been talking about in advance because it's not like this was a surprise mm. like they the employees said they were going to do it they called it the red cup rebellion 
Hell yeah. Which, yeah, that rules. And it should be huge news. And it's just fucking not. It's Nobody not. covered it. Yeah, I mean. Where's granted, Cronkite? It, it happened yesterday as we're recording this. So it could yeah. like still become bigger news. But I feel like it's a thing we should have known was happening. Yeah. Because yeah, we we should we should have had more access to that information, and also it's one of those things where like Starbucks, you know, they with the app they increase their revenue so much, and they're not like I know they're not the worst company to work for, but they're not making the adjustments that they should be. No, no, yeah, they not really try to coast on things like oh well we we give our employees insurance benefits, and then it's like yeah, but you yeah. also the like schooling s- thing is also like it's not the worst. Right, but they also, you hear a lot of stories of managers being told to schedule people in ways that make it so they can't access those benefits. Because Get out of town. You always have to work a certain amount of hours to get stuff like that. And that's the thing you hear with Walmart, too, where they'll, like, if someone's getting close to 40 hours, they'll send them home. So then that person only works, like, 38 hours, and they don't average up to enough to get benefits. Companies are bad. Don't go to Starbucks anyway. Yeah, I mean. Just don't, just don't do it. Their coffee, for one thing, isn't like Dunkin' Donuts makes the superior coffee by a million miles. It's just Dunkin' yeah, Donuts is harder. right they do, kid. Dunkin' Donuts is so much harder to find, like especially in L.A. I think there's like three, maybe. You need to reevaluate how you said that sentence. Dunkin' Donuts, it's wicked harder to find. Right, right. Yeah. Well, okay. not where people who talk that way live. So much. Dude, when Dunkin' Donuts, I, I was talking about this to uh, a guest on Jeff is Cool Friends, but like when Dunkin' Donuts first opened out here and then you would go there and it was just all these fucking New England dirtbags are like, yeah, I'm from Portsmouth. And this poor fucking teenager from <laughs> from fucking from L.A. is like, I don't care. I don't yeah. care where you're from. They didn't they didn't ship us out here from New England. Yeah, I always make fun of the fact that. When that first Dunkin' Donuts opened in Santa Monica, I couldn't go there for like a month because the lines were like wrapped around the building. But I only know that because I tried to go there like every day for a month. And the lines were wrapped around the building. I'm just not a lines guy. Do you remember when I brought you a liquor store brown bag filled to the brim with munchkins? I sure do. Where <laughs> I was like, they gave me these. I can't do anything yeah. with all of these. Do I remember the night Jeff brought me a bag of diabetes? I sure do. <laughs> and you're still paying for it. I'm still eating them. That came up on my like memories not too long ago. Oh, yeah. And we just celebrated an anniversary, Adam. Aww. The Munchkiversary. <laughs> you know, the, the, the seventh anniversary is Munchkins. So it is, mu- yeah, yeah, of course. So I think that's our episode, right? Yeah, don't go to Starbucks. Don't go. I mean. There's local places. Yeah. There's local places. I do need a big coffee, and yeah. Starbucks has the has the Trenta, the 30-ounce. I fuck with that. Although I would still prefer Dunkin' Donuts if there was one closer. But also, I mostly just make my own coffee, so it's fine. Yeah, make your own coffee. Yeah. Yeah, you'll save a shit ton of money. That was when we had all that remodeling happening in my house and couldn't access the kitchen. We were having to, like, hit Starbucks and local places to get coffee. That fucking adds up god damn i loved when when uh i forget what it was but there was the article about how it was like millennials are having a hard time affording houses and somebody did rightfully say y'all are spending a lot of money 
having things prepared for you in stores and restaurants and things like that. And, and like the generation just like immediately rejected that hypothesis. And it's like, well, that's not not a problem, too. It was the avocado, avocado toast to joke. Yeah. And, and everyone's like, oh, I'm not allowed to spend nine dollars a day on a piece of toast. Yeah, that is one of the most obvious and easy ways to save money. Just start cooking at least some of your meals yourself. Yeah, You could eat out twice a week. Yeah. Hey, that's that's our episode. We should probably out of town. Yeah, we should probably we should probably do some plugs. I want to plug adamtoddbrown.substack.com. That's where you can find my newsletter called In Broad Daylight. And it's free for right now, but I'm going to put that paywall up soon. I'm getting back into the groove of writing Madonna. And uh, I I think I don't know what this week's column is going to be, but I I think I'm going to write something about who I think Trump's VP pick is going to be. Who do you think it's going to be, Jeff? A Ron DeSantis impersonator. Uh, like they used to use with Sleazy E in the old rap videos. <laughs> you know who it's going to be? Sleazy E. Carrie Lake. Oh, no. Yeah. The only benefit would be if those if they ran as a third party, that would be the only thing that could help the Democrats right now in a presidential election. Yeah. I genuinely feel that way. Is Boy, do I not like those Republicans. Anyway, Jeff, what do you have to plug? Well, I don't know if you know this, but I have cool friends and I have a show called Jeff Has Cool Friends. You can get it for free. But, Adam, but you can head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May and you can get it a week early with uncensored episodes with bonus content, as well as other shows like the monthly Ugg Fine with Kim Crawl, as well as shows like Nerd with Dre Alvarez that we've been doing. We've been getting a lot of stuff on there. Please don't flip me the bird. What are you talking about? Well, you flipped me the bird. Is your house haunted? You can also listen to Tom and Jeff watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network. And hey, you can hear you don't even like sports. Uh, A sports about how Adam doesn't even like sports. A sports about how Adam doesn't even like sports? Wow, what a fuck up, you fuck face. Hey, can I say something right now? No. My roommate's cat just came up to me for pets, and I'm really into it. Oh, giddy. She, like, generally hates me, so when she does this, I'm really into it. Um, Hey, uh, you, we're not, Twitter is dying, so follow us on the other social media, and uh, please uh, give us support. We desperately need it. Uh, Yes. Sorry to say that, but it's, things aren't good, so uh, (laughs) help your local art creator and uh, listen to things, subscribe to things, rate things, review things, be our friends. Love you, bye. Let's get the fuck out of here, Jeff. You already said goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. You get the Red Cup Rebellion rookie card, everybody. Goodbye.